Hi there, this is Taylor checking in with some conservation news from the past couple weeks for Pelicanus and intentional ecology. Working in the environmental field is an experience of some very high highs and some low lows. As always, there are horrendous environmental stories that deserve our attention, action, and mobilization, but it is our opinion that you can find those headlines in many places. But there are also empowering and inspiring stories that demonstrate major conservation successes from around the globe, achieved by real people who have grouped together to create a better planet. We've been collecting these stories and messages every week for years, and I'm still surprised at how resilient and creative both nature and humans are when facing big challenges. All right. In Peliconis news today, we have about five different categories, which I'm calling rewilding, delisting, and biodiversity, climate momentum, circular economy, zoos, and environmental leaders. So going on to the first one, uh, under rewilding, delisting, and biodiversity, This is some really great news uh, coming from, I saw it in a few places, but I pulled this one from the Tucson Sentinel. The U.S. House panel okays bill to undo White House changes to Endangered Species Act. The Endangered Species Act has been attacked over the last few years, and Representative Raul Grijalva sponsored a House bill that he said is needed to overturn rules by the Departments of the Interior and Commerce that undermine the protections of the act. The bill passed the, hu- the House Natural Resources Committee on a party-line vote after close to an hour of debate. Grijalva, who chairs the committee, said one of the rules his bill targets is the White House decision to exclude climate change when officials are co- considering how a species might fare in the future and whether it should be listed as endangered or threatened. This is really great news, um, considering how much the Endangered Species Act has been under fire in the last few years. So this is one of those rare pieces of news coming from politics about the act. And I'm uh, happy to see it. Scientists discovered a lifespan estimator and have estimated that bowhead whales live to be 268 years old. This one's coming out of the UK, out of the Telegraph. Um, Writing in the journal Scientific Reports, Dr. Benjamin Main, a molecular biologist at the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization in Canberra, said, Boed whales are thought to be the longest living mammal, with one individual estimated at 211 years old. It is rarely possible to follow long-lived species from birth to death as they would normally outlive a generation of researchers. Using our lifespan estimator in the bowhead whale genome, we estimated that the maximum longevity of the bowhead whale to be 268 years. This lifespan estimate is 57 years more than the oldest aged individual to date. The team also applied their lifespan clock to extinct species and discovered that the life expectancy of Neanderthals was 37.8, uh, 37.8 years old. Likewise, the woolly mammoth would have lived to 60, while the passenger pigeon, which died out in 1914, had a lifespan of 28 years. I think this is really fascinating, not just from a purely abstract and scientific standpoint, 
But from a pure conservation standpoint, the ability to understand how long species live uh, helps researchers and conservationists uh, develop strong ecological strategies on how to protect these species. So this is really, really great stuff. All right, moving on to what I'm calling climate momentum. This is a term that I picked up from Rebecca Solnit. I think she came up with it. It's the idea of moving away from fossil fuels. The headline here is out of the Washington Post, and it's the Harvard faculty votes for divestment. Harvard University faculty voted overwhelmingly to call on the school's endowment managers to divest from fossil fuel companies, adding to escalating pressure on the school to take dramatic measures targeting climate change. The vote of the Faculty of Arts and Sciences does not compel the Harvard Management Company, which manages the school's endowment, to act. But the results, 179 voting faculty supported the resolution and 20 opposed it, add considerable weight to calls from students and activists. The university's international reputation and the sheer size of its endowment, which in the most recent report was valued at $40.9 billion, ensure that any decision by Harvard will be closely watched. Yeah, that is very true. It will be closely watched, especially with a school like as large as Harvard. This, if they do choose to divest, I hope they are able to act as an inspiration for other schools. This is really great news. This next one is out of um, the Philippines. I'm, I'm, I'm putting this under what I call the circular economy. Um, circular economy is a term that just acknowledges that there's no such thing as waste. Uh, everything ends up somewhere, either in our atmosphere or in our oceans or wherever. And on the surface of this, it sounds really challenging, but I, I really like the idea here and I like the potential with where they're going. So out of Bloomberg News, the Philippines is making roads with cement, roads and cement with plastic garbage. Uh, Philippine companies are using discarded shopping bags, sachet wrappers, and plastic packaging to fire cement plants and build roads as the country embarks on an 8 trillion peso, or $157 billion, infrastructure push through 2022. San Miguel has laid down its first road combining plastic scraps with asphalt, it said. The surface material developed with Dow Chemical Co., used 900 kilograms of plastic to pave a 1,500-square-meter test site near the capital. Uh, Nestle is aiming for plastic neutrality, which is, which is essentially recovering plastics equal to what we produce, uh, said in a statement. The initiatives to address the issue can have unforeseen se uh, consequences, though. Shredding plastic for asphalt and cement production breaks down waste to microplastics that are even more difficult to collect and reuse. Feeding plastic into cement kilns releases toxic fumes, but Republic Cement's Valencia says plastic-derived fuel involves less carbon emission than coal, and unlike incineration, which is banned in the Philippines, the higher temperatures in cement kilns leave behind no plastic trash. Or, sorry, no plastic ash. This is really interesting. Um, obviously, 
we don't want microplastics and obviously we don't want more emissions into the air. But if they're able to figure these kinds of things out, I think this is a great use of plastic waste, plastic garbage. Um, just this week, I went and bought uh, some new pairs of socks. And one of the reasons why I bought the particular pair of socks that I did was because I read on the packaging that they were, they're 100% nylon and polyester made out of um, old plastic bottles. And I really like that idea. So kudos to them for trying this out. Okay, and the next category is under zoos. Um, I am conflicted with zoos and aquariums, but I still really support them. I think they have a lot of challenges to overcome, um, but I do feel like they are the opportunities to be some of the largest conservation leaders on the planet. And news like this next one are examples why. So a Welsh zoo welcomes a critically endangered black rhino calf. After a 15-month 15, 15 pregnancy, eastern black rhino Dakima gave birth to a healthy male calf on the 16th of January. Dakima is an eastern black rhino, which is one of the rarest animals in the world. This new calf is one of only an estimated 40 eastern black rhinos to be born in the UK, in the past 20 years. It is thought that the calf weighs between a healthy 30 to 45 kilograms. Uh, the zoo is called Folly Farms, and the Folly Farms rhino keepers will monitor the mom and baby closely over the next coming weeks and will be back in the enclosure in due course. There are thought to be fewer than 650 eastern black rhinos left in the wild and just eight in zoos across Europe. This is really great news and hopefully a really great contribution to this species population. Lastly, environmental leaders. Um, this one is coming out of an organization called globalcitizen.org um, that follows these kinds of things. Greece has elected an environmentalist as its first woman president. Top judge Katerina Sakalaropoulou, I really hope I'm saying that right, Sakalaropoulou, 64, won with an overwhelming majority and received 261 votes from members of parliament out of 300 seats, according to CNN. Sakelaropoulou, who became the first woman president of the Council of State, Greece's top administrative court in 2018, chairs an environmental law society and is known to advocate for refugee rights. Sakelaropoulou, Sakalaropolo joins such noted female environmental leaders as New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern in 2017, Mexico City's Mayor uh, Claudia Scheinbaum in 2018, and Finland's Prime Minister Sanna Marin in December 2019. It's always good to see more environmentally minded leaders um, take, take the helm and make the good decisions that we need them to. All right, those are the headlines. Thanks so much for listening to these stories from around the globe. These news articles help remind me that there are hopeful actions undertaken by motivated people working hard to make a better planet. I hope these stories help inspire you as well. Thanks so much.